This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, before we get to our programs tonight, permit me to address a couple of inquiries that a few of you had about my career. (laughs) On one show recently, I had mentioned I'd done cartoon voices for several series in the past, and I've been asked to tell you a bit about my other involvement in the world of entertainment. Well, I've been in a few movies of note, not in the lead role, but some worthy of mention, I think. The Hurricane, starring Denzel Washington, certainly right up there. Hurricane was a 1999 American biographical sports drama film directed and produced by Norman Jewison. The film stars Denzel Washington as Reuben the Hurricane Carter, a former middleweight boxer who was wrongly convicted for a triple murder in a bar in Patterson, New Jersey. And the film uh, depicts Carter's arrest, his life in prison, and how he was freed by the love and compassion of a teenager from Brooklyn and his Canadian foster family. Film was released by Universal Pictures in 1999, and Washington's performance was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor. I was the ring announcer in the film, and in fact, the first uh, face that you see on the screen. Now, here's the fun part. Uh, in that one-day shoot that I had uh, in a warehouse in the west end of Toronto, they had two rings set up around the ring that I was involved in. There were about 400 extras, which, of course, in post-production would be uh, expanded to include a whole arena full of folks. So I'm in the ring. I'm in the center of the ring in this ratty old tuxedo that they'd given me to wear, and the microphone hanging down from the uh, center of uh, of the ring, and I've got a hold in that. I can't go anywhere. I've got to stay right there. And Denzel Washington is in the ring, and he's with his sparring partner, and they're, they're going through the very choreographed moves, punches, jabs, that sort of thing. And as I'm standing there, I notice, whoops, hey, he's coming toward me. He's backing up. He's backing up. I thought, oh, my God, he's going to hit me. Sure enough, bang, bumps into me. Turns around and says, oh, sorry, man. Uh, that's the only thing that Denzel Washington said to me. <laughs> but I can always say, you know, hey, uh, bumped into Denzel the other day and uh, had a few words. <laughs> My brief claim to fame, huh? All right, back to business now on the show. We begin tonight with Screen Guild Theater and the production Hand of Providence that first aired in 1939. Welcome, everybody. Tonight, your neighborhood good golf dealer joins the Gulf Oil Companies in presenting another program in this series of reviews, musical comedies, and dramatic shows. Written, directed, and acted by the greatest names in Hollywood for the benefit of the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Tonight, it's a drama written by Charles Taswell and directed by Victor Fleming. 
So welcome all of you to this week's golf program, The Screen Guild Show. With Adrian Ames, James Cagney, Andy Devine, Priscilla Lane, Donald Meek, Theodore Von Eltz, the music of Oscar Bradley, and Hollywood's favorite master of ceremonies, George Murphy. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of the Gulf Oil Companies, I welcome you to another Screen Guild show, the motion picture star's own program. Tonight, it's a drama, The Hand of Providence, directed by Victor Fleming and written by Charles Taswell, under the musical direction of Oscar Bradley. The play, The Hand of Providence is of two crooks and a lady. The lady, Jane Baker, is played by Priscilla Lane. Tony Barlow is James Cagney. Andy Devine will be heard as Blackie Knight. Donald Meek is Lawyer Harvey. Harriet is played by Adrian Ames. And Theodore Von Eltz will be heard as Ralph. Attention all squad cars. Attention all squad cars. Black sedan, New Mexico license 4C2482, stolen from Santa Fe Station, Albuquerque, this morning. Repeat, black sedan, New Mexico license 4C2482. Special news bulletin. Anthony Barlow, alias Tony Barlow, and James Knight, alias Blackie Knight, escaped from the custody of Special Officer Miles at Albuquerque this morning. These two convicted men are wanted for attempted robbery. Turn it off, will you, Tony? What are you worried about, Blackie? We're okay. Oh, if you call being in the middle of Kansas in a howling blizzard okay, then I'm a cross-eyed cockroach. Well, you're not cross-eyed. Huh? What'd you say? I'd say it's a lot better than being cooped up in a hoose car, isn't it? Smell that? That's fresh, fresh air. Hey, close up the window, Tony. Don't you know it's 10 below? Okay, okay. We can make Kansas City by morning. We'll ditch the car there and head south. We ain't going to get to KC if this blizzard keeps up. The trouble with you, Blackie, is you're a pessimist. Huh? Now, I'm an optimist, and I've got reason to be. I've got something looking out for me. Oh, sometimes I think you're nuts, Tony. Nothing can happen to you as long as you're with Tony Barlow. You just say that 50 times a day. That's what I was saying when the burglar alarm went off in that bank in New Mexico. Yeah? Well, we, we were on the outside. If they caught you working on the safe, they'd have sent us up for five years instead of three. You're lucky. Yeah, now we only get five years for jailbreaking if they catch us. They're not going to catch up with us. It's all in the hands of Providence. Providence? Who is this Providence? An old girlfriend of mine. Oh, is, is that who you're always gabbing with when you're talking to yourself? Yeah. We give each other a little mumbo-jumbo now and then to straighten things out. She gives me some lucky breaks. Well, you better ask her for one right now. Look up ahead. Head lights. Shooting out across the snow. Well, well, don't slow down now. Step on it, Tony. not moving. It's parked right across the, the road. It's a cop. Yeah, can I turn around? Not a chance. It'd get stuck, sure. We've got to shoot it out. Here, slide over me, Blackie, and take the wheel. What are you going to do, Tony? We're going through. Cops are no cops. Step on it, will you? We'll see if we can slide by. Okay. Hey, wait a minute. Hold it, Blackie. What? Hold it. Listen, the cops are Dane. Oh, let's go. Dane's is worse than cops. Hold it, I tell you. It's a girl. Oh, look at Tony. We can't do nothing for her. We got a hot car and the cops are right behind us. And We've got to give her a lift. She needs it. Oh, right now, Dane's is poison. Poison or no poison, it's Providence. Oh, Providence, Chicago, Kansas City. It's no good. Shut up and open the door. Hey, hey, mister. What's the trouble? I'm stuck. My car won't move. Hop in. Move over, Blackie. Give lady a seat. Oh, in this car? Oh, sister, that's a hot seat. Oh, 
Warm enough? Yes. Yes, thanks, Mr. Uh... Tony, that's Blackie at the wheel. Oh, hello. He's not very happy, is he? <laughs> no, he's always like that. He's a pessimist, afraid of what he doesn't expect. Well, I guess he didn't expect me. I wasn't counting on no Jane. Well, that's funny. That's my name. Huh? Jane, Jane Baker. Blackie's sort of a mind reader. Uh, how'd you happen to be driving in this blizzard? I came through from Los Angeles. I've been on the road five days. You must have been taking your time. Oh, my car's an antique. I had three punctures, a blowout, and a bearing went bad outside Santa Fe. It was Providence you came along when you did. <laughs> Hear that, Blackie? We're only about a mile and a half from my home. Your folks will probably kill the fatted calf. Well, I haven't any folks. That is close. Just Gramp. Gramp? My grandfather. He and my grandmother raised me. Then after grandmother died, I stayed on and kept house. Gramp's got a nice little farm, eh? He used to be an engineer on the Kansas Central. The tracks go through the cut right over there. When they retired him to the farm, it almost broke his heart. How'd you happen to leave him and go to L.A.? Well, Gramp thought I was wasting my life around here. I played the lead in my high school play. Mm, I get it. Local gal makes Hollywood. Oh, I hated it. I never got inside a studio gate. But have faith in yourself. That's the only way you can get the breaks. Well, I discovered I didn't want a break. All I wanted from Hollywood was to get back home. You hear that, Blackie? To switch on the old story. How you girls talk when you let down your back hair. <laughs> Quiet. From oh. sunny California to a Kansas blizzard. I don't know, lady, but I... Oh, don't... but you ought to see Grant's house in the summer. There are two big elms that shade the front yard. They're more than 100 years old. And there's roses and, and a grape arbor. And a well so deep it talks back to you when you shout down it. It's the grandest place in the state of Kansas, or in the whole world. Mm, that sounds perfect to me. Might be perfect for a hideout. Yeah. A what? Uh, uh, a vacation, eh, Blackie? Yeah. Blackie's got sense. Well, slow down. We're almost there. Tired, Blackie? Uh, tired nothing. I'm dead. Why don't you stay over at Grant's until the plows come through to open the road? Oh, thanks. What time will that be? In the morning, about six. Well. Oh, we got to push on. We could make better time now in the morning. Now look, Tony. Grant and I'll be glad to have you. I tell you, we got to keep going. And get stuck in a snowbank, Blackie? Sitting there helpless and waiting for some kind officer of the law to dig us out in the morning? Oh, yeah, but... Then you'll stay? If uh, sure Grant won't mind. Why, of course not. Oh, there's the gate. There's a shed back of the house where you can put your car. Oh, nothing can happen to me as long as I'm with Tony Barlow. Nothing can happen to me as long as I'm with Tony Barlow. Nothing can happen to me. Grab! Oh, grab! Who is it? Is that you, Jane? Jane, darling. Harriet. Where have you been? Didn't you get the telegram? Hello, Jane. Lawyer Harvey. Ralph. Well, what are you all doing here? Is Grant sick? Sick? Do you mean to say you don't know? Jane, dear, grandfather's dead. Dead? Yes. Yes, Miss Jane. But, but he can't be. I had a letter just... Well, I know it was very sudden. Five days ago. Well, but Grant, he... Oh, Grant. What is this, a convention? Come on, Tony, let's get out of here. No, no, wait. We can't walk out now, Blackie. No, 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 Miss Jane. I know it's a terrible shock. After all, Jane, Grandfather was 81. 82, Harriet. Grandfather lived a full, happy life of 81 81, 82. The man's dead. Oh, when was the old guy planted? I mean, when was he buried? Three days ago, Mr. Uh... Black, black like in coffee. Friends of yours, Jane? Oh, they... They were kind enough to pick me up when my car got stuck. Mr. Black and Mr... Tone, sorry to come in at a time like this. My cousins Harriet and Ralph and Lawyer Harvey. How do you do? How are you? The storm's so bad I asked them to stay till the plows came through in the morning. How generous of you. I didn't know then that Gramp was, wasn't here. I'm afraid there's no place for them to sleep. I have the front bedroom. I took Gramps and Lawyer Harvey has the middle room. 
That leaves the back bedroom for you, Jane. We can camp out here in the kitchen. That is, if it's, if it's okay with you. Oh, of course. So what time shall we get together in the morning, Lawyer Harvey? Ralph and I want the will read as soon as possible. Uh, Wilson, the real estate man, found a buyer for the property. He wants to see us at two. You're not going to sell Gramps' house. It's not Gramps' house now, Jane. It's Ralph and mine. Wilson says he can get a fair price for it. But, but it's always been lived in by us bakers. You, you just can't turn it over to some outsider. I, uh, <clears throat> pardon me. I think I understand how Jane feels. You see, Mr. Baker always told me he wanted Jane to have this place. He didn't say so in the will, Lawyer Harvey. No, but after all, Not Ralph... that Grandfather wasn't fond of you, Jane. He took care of you while he lived. He mustn't feel badly because he didn't mention you in his will. And since he never made a new oh, one... I, I don't, I don't. But can't you wait to sell a house, Harriet? It seems like... We must dispose of our inheritance as we see fit, Jane. Excuse me, will you? Uh, I, I know I really don't belong here, but... Might I ask a question? Yes, Mr. Tong? Uh, Graham's been alone here for quite a while, hasn't he? How do you know he didn't draw up a new will and mention Jane? Lawyer Harvey would know if he had. Well, uh, well, uh, no, he didn't, Mr. Tong. Uh, Mr. Baker, several uh, appointments made but to, to draw up a new testament, but... Uh, well, he was like that. If it rained, he couldn't get in, uh, into town. And if the sun shone, he just couldn't let anything interfere with his fishing. Uh, <laughs> where's the old will? Down at the bank? No, it's been locked in a safe in the kitchen for ten years. No one's touched it. Not even Grant. You mean the safe hasn't been opened? For ten years? It couldn't be opened. Why not? Because, Mr. Tone, Grandfather was a whimsical man. He bought the safe at an auction. He didn't have the combination for the lock, but uh, he kept his will and his bonds in it. And did you say bonds? Yes. Are the uh, bonds worth anything? About 5000 I imagine. Grandfather bought one a year for nest eggs. Is there any more family data we've neglected to give you? Uh-huh. Are they still in there? Yes. Poor Grandfather shut the door one day and it locked. He was never able to get it open again. I'll make you a proposition, Harriet. I... Please. Jane, how long did you say you've known these gentlemen? Uh, Jane, tell me, did you uh, help Grant make the will, Lawyer Harvey? No, no, Mr. Tone. Uh, that was uh, done before I came here. Old Benson wrote it out by hand. He's gone now, poor soul, along with Dobie Ames and Cal Corbett, who witnessed it. A fine lawyer, Benson. He's made all the wills in the county for 50 years. Isn't it getting a bit nostalgic in here? Ralph, bring the lamp. I'm going to bed. Well, I think I'll go, too. Oh, uh, the locksmith will be out at 9 o'clock in the morning to open the safe. At my age, these All right, all windows. right, Lawyer Harvey. <clears throat> Come on. Good night. Good night, everybody. Mighty night. Good night. Uh, you better go out and drain the radiator of the car, Blackie. I'd better take an ice pick. It's probably froze up tight in that dame's heart. Go on, go on, go on. Okay, yep. okay, Tony. Oh, listen. Hear that? Train was. When I was little, I used to wait for Grant's train every afternoon over by the cut. Pretty soon it'd come swinging along. Gramp would wave and the whistle would blow. Just like this. I kind of think I'd have liked Gramp. Oh, everybody did. Oh, too bad about the will in the house. I can't see why Gramp left everything to Ralph and Harriet. Well, they were Gramp's first grandchildren. When they were little, he must have been terribly proud of them. I wouldn't give him much now. Any idea of what you'll do? No. That's tough. It's tough for a girl. A guy can always get along somehow. I'll... I'm sorry we busted in at a time like this. Oh, I'm glad you were here. Gramp would be, too. It'd be pretty bad with just Ralph and Harriet in the house. You're Gramp's kind of folks. Thanks. Well, good night. Good night. I, I'll i see you in the morning? Yeah, sure. We'll be here. The snow plows will be through early, but uh, you'll stay for breakfast. Oh, yes, yes, we'll stay if we, if we don't wake up too early. Jiminy Christmas, it's cold out, but it's 20 below. 
Good night, Mr. Blackie. Uh, good night. Gosh, Tony, I near froze my hands. I couldn't hardly hold on to the flashlight to see what I was doing. Well, start warming them up. Huh? Start warming them up. What do you mean? Listen, Blackie, there's a safe in this house that hasn't been open for ten years. And it's got $5,000 worth of bonds in it. Does that mean anything to you? Mean anything? Huh. Why, that's a perfect setup. That's where you're wrong, Blackie. Warm up those fingers. This isn't a setup. This is Providence. The curtain has just fallen on the first act of The Hand of Providence, written by Charles Taswell and directed by Victor Fleming. And now, here's John Conti. The traffic signs you see along the roadside are usually put there because they contribute to your safety. Well, in somewhat the same way, your good golf dealer has put up a special sign, one that has to do with safety also, the safety of your automobile engine. Now, this sign says, do it now, and it means change your motor oil now to fresh Gulf Pride motor oil of the right seasonal grade. You see, Gulf Pride motor oil gives you extra engine protection. It's made differently from all other oils. Refined from 100% pure Pennsylvania crude, not by conventional methods alone, but also by the patented Alclor process that Gulf alone can use. So keep your eyes open for the do-it-now sign. Play safe and change to Gulf Pride, the motor oil that works wonders of lubrication. is about to rise again on the second act of our Gulf Screen Guild play, The Hand of Providence, starring James Cagney, Adrian Ames, Priscilla Lane, Andy Devine, Donald Meek, and Theodore Von Elf. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Harriet. You still here, Mr. Blackie? Yeah, sorry, but we're still waiting for that snowplow. I called the highway department at nine. Uh, what'd they say? They assured me the road would be open by ten o'clock at the latest, Mr. Blackie. Now. Well, we ought to be traveling. Is the coffee hot, Jane? Yes. Goodness, who's that? Tony. It, it might be Carl. It's probably another friend of Jane's. I'll go. Who's Carl? The locksmith. Oh. Morning. Morning, ma'am. Come in, Carl. Morning, Harvey. Gosh, I'm late, but I... Come along right behind the plow. And the road's open? As far as here, they're working toward the main highway. Well, I guess we better follow them. Can't you wait just a little? I'm afraid not, Jane. It's important we get to Kansas City. Yeah, very important. The sheriff's car was stuck down the road. He's following along behind the plow. Oh. I guess we could wait a little bit, Jane. <laughs> yeah, I guess we could. I come right in the kitchen, Carl. That's where the safe is. Come on, Harriet. Ralph. Jane. Uh, don't look so good, does it, Tony? We're still all right if we stay here till the sheriff gets out of the way. Yeah, if we'd have just kept on going instead of stopping here last night. If we had, we might have been stuck in the same drift to the sheriff. Come on, let's see how they make doing with the safe. Look here, my good man. You've been working on, on that safe for an hour. We haven't got all day. Haven't you ever opened a safe before? He's a rank amateur, Harry. What was that, Mr. Black? Don't criticize something you know nothing about, Blackie. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, I think I've almost got it, lawyer Harvey. Yep. There you are. She's open. And about time. <laughs> well, yeah, everything seems to be just as Mr. Baker left it ten years ago. Let 
me see now. This looks as though it might be the will. Yes, yes, Mr. Baker's handwriting. I couldn't mistake that in a hundred years. Could you, Ralph? No, that's it, all right. Yes, yes, indeed. And here. Here's where old Dobie Ames and Cal Corbett witnessed. I think you've verified the paper sufficiently, Lawyer Harvey. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, indeed, Ralph. Now, let me see. Be it known by all present that I, Daniel C. Baker, are uh, being Just jump a sound down to the mind. Hmm? Oh, all right, Miss Harriet. <clears throat> Here we are. Uh, to my dear granddaughter Harriet, whom I have never liked. What? Believing her to be a vain, stupid, empty-headed, selfish female. The idea. And not worth two hoots on a switch engine whistle. I don't believe it. I'm, I'm only reading what it says, Miss Harriet. <clears throat> Uh, to Harriet, I leave the sum of one dollar, and I hope she loses that down a grating on her way home from my funeral. It's incredible. Very unfortunate, Harriet. Go on, Lawyer Harvey. <clears throat> uh, to my dear grandson, Ralph, <clears throat> who was has never given a moment of his time or a cent of his money to any but his own selfish interest. What does he mean? He means you don't like you either. And who I firmly believe will grow more selfish as the years go on. I don't believe it. I also leave the sum of one dollar, which I confidently expect he will keep. Let me see that paper. It's, it's just as Mr. Baker wrote it, Mr. If, if he were alive, I, I, I'd bring him into court. To my dear granddaughter Jane. Me? Why, but I thought... To Jane, whose unselfish devotion brightened my last years, I leave my house and the remainder of my estate and my own eternal devotion. Signed, Daniel C. Baker, engineer, retired. Jane gets everything? Are you sure? Are you sure that's what Gramp wrote, Lawyer Harvey? He tricked us. He had the safe opened and changed his will. Leading us to believe all this time... We'll break the will. We'll break it. Oh, oh I, I don't think I would do that, Mr. Rell. But, Lawyer Harvey, Gramp always told it me... It must have been one of Gramp's little jokes, Miss Jane. Jokes? <laughs> Harriet, we won't wait for that afternoon express. We'll take the noon local. I shall consult my own lawyer as soon as I get home. And I shall certainly consult mine. <clears throat> they seem kind of upset. Yeah, that dame was always upset. Miss Jane, I'm, I'm glad it turned out this way. Oh, now about the bonds. Oh, dear me, I don't, I don't seem to see them. They fell out of the safe and Blackie picked them up. Didn't you, Blackie? Huh? Oh, 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 did I? Come on, Blackie, come on. Okay, there you are. Ah, eh, two, six, eight, nine, nine. There were ten, weren't there, Blackie? Yeah, ten. See, ten. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Um... I'll take care of these, Miss Jane, until the will is probated. Now, now, where did I leave my briefcase? Oh, yes, yes, in the parlor. Excuse me? Well, I, I guess we better shove off, too, Jane. Get the car and bring it around front, Blackie. Yeah, I filled the radiator early. Sure hope it ain't froze up. You really have to go. I mean, the roads are still pretty bad. We can get through to Kansas City. Is that where you live? No, no, Blackie and I don't live anywhere. I guess we're what you'd call rolling stones. Don't you get tired rolling? Oh, sure, once in a while, but you see, a stone hasn't much choice. Once it starts to go, it's hard to stop. But the only way it can roll is downhill. That's right. With a dull thud at the bottom, maybe. But I'm not kicking. Life isn't much fun if you know all the answers ahead of time. You know, you're a lot like Gramp. He was a rolling stone, too, when he was young. 
But then he came here and stopped rolling. You see, there aren't any hills in Kansas. Hmm. Gramp was lucky. And maybe he wasn't traveling as fast as Blackie and me. I've been on the move ever since I was 14. Just a punk kid starting off to be a big shot. But uh, I didn't have enough ammunition. Where did you start from? Hmm, Chicago. Instead of two elms in the front yard, we had a couple of sick geraniums on the fry escape. Yeah, and for a well to holler down, we had an air shaft right outside the kitchen window. If you shouted down that, it answered you back in half a dozen different languages. Oh, there isn't much about a place like that to keep a kid at home. If I had a kid, I'd want him to have a house like this. Something he'd be proud of. That way he'd never want to take after his old man and start rolling. Well, if... If you ever stop somewhere, will you let me know? Why? I'll write to you. You mean that? On the level? On the level. Will you? Yeah, sure. Why not? If I get a chance, I might send you a postcard sometime. I'll answer it, Tony. That'll be swell. Only don't count on it too much. Maybe quite a while before I get around to it. How long? Hmm? Might be five years. Well, that's not so long. The best thing you can do is to forget all about me. Forget I've ever been here. Well, you'll be back this way. No, no. It isn't likely. Before I do, you'll be married to some nice farmer. No. I'll be waiting. Do you have any sense? You won't be. There's Blackie. Well, goodbye. Good luck, Jane. Goodbye. Well, I'll get back to town, Jane. Who, who's that leaving? Mr. Tone, Mr. Black? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't get to say goodbye. Nice boy. Yes, he... I mean, they were. Yeah, and see you tomorrow, Jane. Goodbye, lawyer Harvey. Morning, Harvey. Good morning, Sheriff. Anything wrong? Yeah. Looking for two fellas that ditched the police on the main road last night. Tony Barlow and Blackie Knight. What are they wanted for? Blackie's a safe cracker. Ain't a safe maid. He can't open. And Mr. Tone, I mean uh, Tony Barlow? He's a forger. He can write your name and you'll swear on a stack of Bibles you wrote it yourself. Ooh. Have you seen a strange car go by, Harvey? Why, no. No, I haven't, Sheriff. Well, we'll get him. Turn around, George. So long, Harvey. So <laughs> A safe cracker and a forger. <laughs> Grandpa always did pick the strangest friends. <laughs> Hello, Blackie. Say, where you been, Tony? Back having coffee with the brakeman. Yeah, and I've been hiding like an ostrich ever since we ditched the car and hopped this rattler. How come the brakey's such a softy? He's a crapshooter. On my last natural using my dice, I won free and undisputed transportation to the end of his run. Oh, where's that? Albuquerque. Oh, but that's where we come from yesterday. That's where we ditched the special officer. Yeah, this train going back there seems almost like Providence, doesn't it? Oh, there you go again. Come on, let's get off of here. Come on, we're slowing down. You get off, Blackie. I'm going along to the end of the run. Oh, are you nuts? You'll go back to Albuquerque and they'll grab you and pin five years on you. That's not a lifetime. You can do a lot of things after that. Such as what? Oh, sit in the shade of an elm tree a hundred years old. Or holler down a well that'll answer your back. Oh, I always knew you was nuts. Come on, Tony. Are you getting off or ain't you? Nope, I'm staying on, Blackie. So long and good luck. No, doggone it. Go on, go on. Jump, Blackie. No, I can't do it. Why not? Can't you see your Providence dame is holding on to my coattails? You got me screwy, too. You mean you're going to Albuquerque? Oh, sure. Give me those dice. I ain't myself. I'm going to roll that brakey for a strong cup of coffee. 
Well, Gramp, I hope you like the way we fixed things. Maybe it wasn't according to Hoyle, but you kind of messed things up pretty bad yourself, didn't you? Well, you couldn't help it. We all make mistakes. That's why we got to look for the hand of Providence to sort of clean things up for us. See what I mean? And, uh, it's okay, Gramp? Okay. Okay, Gramp. Thank you, Adrian Ames, James Cagney, Andy Devine, Priscilla Lane, Donald Meek, and Theodore Von Elts for a swell Gulf Screen Guild show. Just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, James Cagney will return. But first, a word from John Connie. Thank you, George Murphy. Ladies and gentlemen, most of us like to do a job right, even when it takes more time. But when you're lucky enough to have a job that can be done right without taking the slightest bit more time, or trouble either, then you certainly don't want to hesitate. And that's the way it is with your regular spring motor oil change. When you drive into your good Gulf dealers and ask for Gulf Pride Motor Oil, you can be sure that you're getting the job done right because you're getting a motor oil that gives you the right kind of engine protection. Gulf Pride Motor Oil comes from a special kind of crude oil, 100% pure Pennsylvania. It's refined a special way by the patented Alclor process. The result is a specially tough and durable lubricant, one that we honestly believe will save you money in the long run. So look for the do-it-now sign at your good golf dealers and change to Gulf Pride Motor Oil. George. Oh, George Murphy. Yes, Jim. Speaking for myself and the members of tonight's cast, I'd like to say we're glad to contribute our services to the Motion Picture Relief Fund. These Sunday golf shows are making it possible for us to build a home for those members of the industry who can no longer provide for themselves. Thank you, Jimmy. Speaking for the Gulf Oil Companies and the Gulf Dealers, I'd like to say we think it's mighty fine of the actors, the directors, and the writers of Hollywood to contribute the money they would ordinarily receive for these broadcasts to such a worthy cause, the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Who's going to be here next week, Georgie? Oh, great show next week, Jim. It's a review starring Gary Cooper, Deanna Durbin, Patsy Kelly, and Park Your Carcass. I'll be listening. Good night, everybody. Good night, Jim, and thanks very much for coming. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, next week, same time, same station, the good golf dealer in your neighborhood joins the Gulf Oil Companies in welcoming you to another Screen Guild show with Gary Cooper, Deanna Durbin, Patsy Kelly, and Park Your Carcass. Till then, this is George Murphy saying thank you for the Gulf Oil Companies, for the motion picture industry. Good night. Stay tuned for Father Knows Best next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Father Knows Best starring Robert Young and the story of the family's car being stolen. Mother, is Maxwell House the best coffee in the whole world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best. Yes, it's Father.
Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons. Brought to you by America's favorite coffee, Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop. This, unfortunately, is the time of year when most young people become arsonists at heart. As they sleep, the gentlest smiles creep softly across their gay young faces. Smiles caused by a joyous vision, a glorious dream of the schoolhouse burning down. Yes, this is the time of year when the young ones return to their scholastic grind. And in Springfield, in the white frame house on Maple Street, the morning is a hectic one indeed, like this. Jim! Who's in there? Jim, your coffee's ready. Do you want it now? I want to get into the bathroom. I have to shave. Betty? I'm in here, Father. Well, who's in the bathroom? I think it's Bud. Bud. Bud! Did you want something, Dad? What are you doing in there? I'm taking a shower. Well, why did you lock the door? I don't have any clothes on. (laughs) Bud. Yes, Dad? Hurry up. Okay, Dad, I'll be right out. I dream of a genie with a light. He doesn't have any clothes on. Of course, everybody else takes a shower in a raccoon coat. I don't know what's gotten into that boy. Acts more like his mother's side of the family every day. Jim, what was all that banging up there? Oh, the same old thing. Honey, isn't there anything we can do about a schedule for the bathroom? It gets worse every morning. I know, dear, but after all, this is a special morning. It's the first day of school, and the children are all anxious to look their best. But I have to be in Plainfield at 9 o'clock. It's a very important deal. I told everybody last night. Of course, dear, I know just how you feel. And you'll feel a lot better after you've had your coffee. Mm. I'll have it ready in just a minute. You said it was ready. It was ready, but when you didn't come down... Look, I'd better go back upstairs and stand in line. Jim, it will only take me a second to pour you another cup of coffee. Well, okay. And anybody who thinks he can live in a house with one bathroom and three kids ought to have his head examined. What is it, bud? I'm out. Well, it's about time. Don't let anybody else in till I get up there. Okay. Jim, where are you going? I'm going to shave. But I poured your coffee. Sorry, honey, you'll just have to pour it back. The bathroom's clear. I may not have a chance like this for another hundred years. (laughs) Hold the fort, bud. I'm on my way. Bud says I can't go into the bathroom. That's right. Thank you, Bud. Okay, then. But I have to take a shower and I have to go to school. And how can I take a shower if nobody will let me get into the bathroom? Kathy, Daddy has to go to Plainfield. That's 28 miles away. And he has to be there at 9 o'clock. Why? <laughs> because I want to sell Mr. Butler some insurance. So we can get some money. So we can eat. Is that clear? I don't know. I just want to take a shower. Kathy, I have to shave, and I can't shave while you're taking a shower. Why? Because you get the mirror all steamed up. Because I want to get to Plainfield wearing both ears. And don't say why. Why? Because... Why don't you go do your homework or something? Oh, I don't have any homework. School hasn't even started yet. Well, make some up. Bud! What happened to my shaving cream? You want me, Dad? No, I want my shaving cream. Where is it? Maybe there isn't any. 
I could have figured that out for myself, except that I just bought a whole tube of it. Margaret? What shaving cream, dear? The shaving cream I bought last night. You didn't buy any shaving cream last night. I most certainly did. Didn't I? (laughs) No, dear, you didn't. Well, I should have. (laughs) Bud? Yes, Dad? Are you dressed? I'm tying my shoes. Well, run down to the drugstore and get me some shaving cream like a good fellow, will you? You bet. As soon as I finish my breakfast. (laughs) Get it for me now. You can have your breakfast later. Holy cow, Dad. I haven't eaten since last night. Well, another five minutes won't make any difference. Use the car and hurry back, please. Okay. What in the... Who's in there? Kathy, come out of that bathroom this instant. I'm not in the bathroom, Daddy. Well, who is? I don't know. Betty? Betty! Did you want something, Father? (laughs) What are you doing in there? I'm taking a shower. Well, open the door. Father! Jim, you can't shave until Bud comes back anyway. That's got nothing to do with it. I was in the bathroom first. She had no right to sneak in when my back was turned. Will you please stop acting like an overgrown baby? You can have your coffee while Betty's taking her shower. Oh, why do they have to open the schools today? 365 days in the year, and they have to pick a day when I have an appointment in Plainfield. Dad. There's no system in this town, that's what. They just run things to suit themselves. Dad, the car isn't in the garage. It what? It isn't in the garage. Oh, that's fine. That's just great. I'm not having enough trouble. Now somebody's stolen the car. Jim, let's not get all upset. Maybe you didn't put the car in the garage last night. I didn't use the car last night. I came home with Ed Davis, remember? Betty had the car all afternoon. Betty! Yes, Father? Where did you leave the car? Just a minute. I'll be right out. Bud, go downstairs and call the police. No, Bud, wait. There must be a logical explanation to this whole thing. Of course there's a logical explanation. Somebody stole the car. Is anything wrong, Father? Oh, no. Everything's just fine. Somebody stole the car, that's all. They did? Who? How do I know who? Where did you leave it? In front of your office. That's what you told me to do, isn't it? I told you to leave it in front of the office? That's right. You said if I got through early to leave it in front of your office and come home on the bus. Then you wouldn't have to use the bus during the rush hour. But I came home with that Davis. Well, I came home on the bus. (laughs) You know, Betty, you're going to be a great comfort to me in my old age. If I live that long. Father, I just did what you told me to. Why didn't you tell me you left the car downtown? You didn't ask me. Ye gods. Seventeen years old and she can't tell you anything unless you ask her. I'll be right back. Bud, where are you going? It's okay, Dad. I'll use my bicycle. No, Bud, come back here, Bud! He's gone, dear. I don't know. The only time that boy ever hurries is when you want him to stand still. Well, dear, you told him to go to the drugstore. I wanted him to go down for the car. How can I possibly get to Plainfield without a car? You can use the bus. Nobody asked you. But you just said I was 17 years old Never and mind I... mind what I just said. What's that? What's what, dear? That's a car. Is it in our driveway? No, that's the Davises. I guess Ed's going to work. Ed, that's it. Betty, hurry up and get dressed. What for? Never mind what for. Just get dressed. Jumping creepers. Ed! Say, Ed! Hiya, Jim. What's up? Ed, I want you to do me a favor, a big favor. Will you wait until Betty gets dressed and take her down to my office? Sure, I guess so. She'll only be a minute. 
Okay, the color will make it snappy. Thanks, Ed. You're a pal. Well, that'll take care of that. Betty. What did Ed say, dear? He's waiting for Betty, and he'll take her downtown, and she can bring the car back. There, you see? There was no need to get upset about the whole thing in the first place. Well, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> Betty, what are you doing? I'm getting dressed. Okay, look, Ed Davis is waiting to take you downtown. Oh, he doesn't have to do that, Father. Janie Liggett's going to pick me up. He's going to take you downtown so you can get our car and bring it back here. But I can't, Father. I'll miss my ride to school. I'll take you to school. But Janie Liggett... I don't care about Janie Liggett. This is more important. Well, if it's so important, why don't you go downtown with Mr. Davis? I'll tell you why. In the first place, I haven't shaved. In the second place, I haven't had my shower. And in the third place, I told you to go down in the first place. Now, hurry up and get dressed. Oh, poo. And don't take all day about it. Double poo. What was that? I said, yes, Father. <laughs> person gets you into a mess like this, the least they can do is get you out. If she'd used her head, the car wouldn't have been left downtown in the first place. First time in her whole life she ever got through with it early. Jim, why don't you come downstairs with me and have your breakfast? You can save a little time that way. No, I've got to shave and... You can't shave until Bud gets back with the shaving cream. Well, uh, I can take a shower and brush my teeth and... Oh, no. What is it, dear? Who's in there? Who's in the bathroom? Did you want something, Daddy? <laughs> is next to godliness. That's what they say. But there are times when it can be overdone. It's a cup of coffee later in the white frame house on Maple Street, and the Anderson's bathroom is still giving a pretty fair imitation of the Grand Central Station. Father, unshowered and unshorn, is low man on the totem pole and last man into the bathroom, as usual, like this. They ought to pass an ordinance, that's what. What was that, dear? I said there ought to be a law. No house can be built without ten bathrooms. Oh, Jim. Well, look at the time. A quarter past eight, and I haven't even started to shave. It won't take long once Bud gets back. How about another cup of coffee? Well, okay. There you are. Thank you. Even if Betty gets back with a car by 8.30, I won't be able to make it. Of course you will. Oh, it's 28 miles to Plainfield, and my appointment's for 9 o'clock. Jim, I'm sure if you explain to Mr. Butler, he'll understand. Oh, sure. I'm sorry I'm late, Mr. Butler, but one of my children left the car downtown. And the others wouldn't let me get into the bathroom. <laughs> He'll love that. Hey, Dad. Well, it's about time. We're in here, bud. Boy, did I ever have a time. You know what happened? Never mind what happened. Where's the shaving cream? Right here. Gosh, it was awful. You know what happened? All I want is the shaving cream. What took you so long? Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You know what happened? <laughs> Mr. Crandall wasn't open yet, and I had to find a drugstore that stayed open all night. And then when I found it, I didn't have enough money for the large economy size. And then he couldn't find the small uneconomy size. And he tried to sell me that smelly kind that you don't like. But I said, oh, no. And he said... Bud. Hmm? Give it to me. What? The shaving cream. Let me have it. Oh. Uh, uh, it was uh, 35 cents, Dad. I know how much it was. Hand it over. Well, 
My allowance is only a dollar and a quarter, and I spent 60 cents last night, and there's a whole week to go. Bud, will you let go of the shaving cream? I know you don't mean to forget things like that, Dad, but last year when I laid out 15 cents for the pipe cleaners... I paid you for the pipe cleaners. No, you didn't, Dad. As a matter of fact, I think I paid you twice. Well, anyway, it was only 15 cents, but this is 35 cents. Bud, let go. That's practically half a dollar. I said let go. And I only get a dollar and a quarter. Bud, you're squashing it. So why don't you just give me the 35 cents? Because I don't carry money in my pajamas, that's why. Now let go. Bud, I'll give you the 35 cents. You will? Yes. Oh. Well, here you are, Dad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, that's okay, Dad. I was glad to help. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> All right, Bud, sit down and I'll get your breakfast. Oh, gosh, you can understand how I feel, can't you, Mom? Yes, dear. It isn't as if I didn't trust him, but look what happened when I bought the pipe cleaner. Pipe cleaners. My own son. You think I was trying to cheat him out of 35 cents? Where did he get the 35 cents in the first place? And look at it. If that isn't the messiest-looking tube of shaving cream, got it all squeezed out of shape. Spend your whole life trying to make things easy for your family. Ye gods. Kathy! Kathy! Hmm? Aren't you out of there yet? I'm brushing my teeth. What? I'm brushing my teeth. You've been in there long enough to grow new ones. <laughs> now, come on out. You can brush them later. Open the door. Daddy, I have to brush my teeth. If I don't, I'll have to do it afterwards, and then I'll be late for school. I'll take you to school. Just let me get in there. I wasn't late for school even once last year. And this year, if I'm late the very first day... You won't be late, Kathy. I promise you. Now, please, let me get through. Gee whiz. Just because I'm the littlest one in the family, everybody thinks I don't have any feelings. And I do. I've got as many feelings as anybody. Fine. I'll tell him when he comes in. You'll tell who? What? Who will you tell when he comes in? When who comes in? I don't know. Well, stop talking about people you don't know. <laughs> May I please shave? He said, I'll tell him when he comes in. And I said, who? And he said... Jim! Ye gods, now what? What is it, Margaret? Betty's on the phone. Well, tell her to hurry up. She wants to talk to you. Oh, my aching back. I'll be right down, Margaret. Kathy, don't ever get married. And if you do get married, don't have any children. And if you do have any children, don't try to shave. Grow a beard. <laughs> Daddy, is it all right if I brush my teeth now? No, stay out of the bathroom. Betty, why aren't you back here? Is that you, Father? Of course not. This is Admiral Bird, and I'm speaking from the South Pole. Where are you? I'm downtown. That's nice. Are you having a good time? Father, the car's been stolen. Well, stop fooling around down there and... It what? It isn't where I left it. There's another car there, and the man at the filling station said he Betty. saw somebody fiddling around with it this morning. Betty. And I guess they found the place under the mat where we hide the keys. Because... Betty. Yes, Father? Go over to the police headquarters. Give them a full description of the car. Make, model, color, license number. Have you got that? I guess so. Tell them I'll be in later in the morning to make a full insurance report. Is that clear? Well, 
There's only one thing I don't understand. Yes? What am I supposed to do about my breakfast? <laughs> Betty. Yes, Father? Eat it. Oh? Okay. And Betty. Don't worry, Father. I'll take care of everything. Good. Right after breakfast. Betty! Betty! Oh, fine. It's a conspiracy, that's what it is. The whole thing is a plot to keep me from getting to Plainfield. Well, that's fine. That's just great. What did Betty want, dear? Is anything wrong? No, everything's wonderful. This time somebody really stole the car, that's all. Oh, Jim. I'm up to my neck in appointments, the busiest time of the whole year. A thing like this has to happen to me. Sure, naturally, they'd have to be busy. They'll probably be busy all day. Who, dear? George Phillips. If I can borrow his car, I can still get to Plainfield in time. But... Jim, I wouldn't count on that. George may need the car himself. Why don't you just call Mr. Butler? Because it took me two months to set up this appointment, and I don't intend to lose it. And if George Phillips can't do a little thing like lend me his car, well, it's just too bad, that's all. All right, dear, I suppose you know best. But! You want me, Dad? Now, whatever gave you that idea? <laughs> you said Bud. <laughs> and uh, you figured the rest of it out all by yourself. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> now, what did I do? Go across the street and ask Mr. Phillips if I can use his car. What for? <laughs> I've taken a contract to fill in the Grand Canyon, and I want to use the Phillips car for a dump truck. What? Oh, stop asking so many silly questions and do as you're told. But all I said was... Bud, do as your father tells you. Holy cow. <laughs> Ask a perfectly simple question, and everybody jumps down your neck. Get a bunch of double talk about filling in the Grand Canyon. Jim, I don't think you were very nice to Bud. Well, I haven't got time to be nice. I've got to get a car. I've got to get to Plainfield, Margaret. Yes, dear. I'm going upstairs to shave. Will you call Hector Smith and ask if I can borrow his car? I'll have it back at 12 o'clock at the latest. All right. And explain that it's an emergency. Tell him it's uh, practically a matter of life and death. Yes, dear, I'll tell him. Oh, I've never seen a morning like this in my whole life. Everything has to go wrong. I don't even know why I bothered to get out of bed. Hello, Elizabeth? No, no. Kathy, are you in there again? I'll be right out, Daddy. I told you not to go back in, didn't I? But you were on the phone and I had to wash my knees. You just took a shower. Everybody in the world's been taking a shower. I forgot to scrub my knees, and I couldn't go to school the very first day if I didn't scrub my knees, could I? All right, Kathy, just let me in there. Don't they look better now, Daddy? They're gorgeous. Now, may I please get into the bathroom? Jim! Oh. What is it, dear? Elizabeth says she's awfully sorry, but Hector ran into the back of a truck, and their car won't be out of the garage until Friday. That's great. Good old Hector. Good old reliable Hector. Uh, do you want me to call the Hathaways? They have an extra little car. Dad. What did they say, bud? Mr. Phillips had to go downtown early, and he took the car with him. Oh, fine. And Mrs. Phillips says she doesn't think Mr. Phillips would let you take it to the Grand Canyon anyway on account of one of the windshield wipers that... <laughs> makes 
as much sense as anything else that's happened today. Daddy, you said you were going to take me to school. Kathy, this is no time to annoy your father. But he said... It's all right, Margaret. I don't care. The way things have been going this morning, my mind is absolutely numb anyway. Dad... Two months, two whole months, getting Butler lined up for the kill, and then a thing like this has to happen. Dad... Fine bunch of friends we have. The windshield wiper doesn't work. Hector ran into the back of a truck. Dad... Tim, I'm sure he didn't do it intentionally. No, but if he wanted to borrow a car, you can bet your bottom dollar there'd be nothing the matter with ours. Dad... But don't you ever keep still? I want to ask you something. Well, go ahead. Don't just stand there. Why don't you use our car? <laughs> but... Just a minute, Margaret. I'll be glad to tell him. It seems, Bud, that you have a sister who hasn't sense enough to come in out of the rain. I didn't do anything. <laughs> she left the car downtown with the keys under the mat. Oh, that one. And as a result, we don't have a car Sure we do But the car has been stolen No, it hasn't, Dad It's out in front of the house I went downtown and got it Oh, no! A mere 15 minutes have gone by, but things in Springfield are pretty much under control, so far as Jim Anderson is concerned at any rate. With his hands firmly on the steering wheel of his car, only two things remain between father and his business appointment. Kathy's delivery to school and a 28-mile drive to Plainfield. He'll be a little late, but he isn't too worried. As a matter of fact, he isn't worried at all, like this. Daddy! Yes, Kathy? Why does everybody have to go to school? Is it that important? Of course it's important. It's practically the most important thing in your whole life. Why? Because, Kathy, if you don't go to school, you don't learn anything. And if you don't learn anything, you aren't prepared for the problems you meet later in life. What kind of problems? Oh, all kinds of problems. Like, uh, well, like how to answer the questions your children keep throwing at you. <laughs> Things like that. It's very important. Daddy. Now what? Why is everybody so worried about the schools in Springfield? Well, they aren't worried, Kathy. Not if they're sound, public-spirited citizens. They realize that worrying doesn't do any good. It's action that counts. They know that better schools make better communities, and good citizens everywhere are helping to make our school system the finest in the world. That's pretty hard to do. Why? Well, it's uh, on account of the last war, honey. During the war, we couldn't build enough schools or train enough teachers. So now we have overcrowded classrooms and a shortage of qualified instructors for the lower grades. What's that? Teachers. Oh. Yes, sir. If more young men and women would train to teach in the elementary schools, they'd find a wonderful career ahead of them. And they'd be helping to build a better country for all of us at the same time. They would? They certainly would. Well, then I changed my mind. When I grow up, I'm going to be a teacher. And somebody else can be a lady wrestler. <laughs> That's a very good idea You gods, now what did I do? He wants you to pull over to the curb I don't know what he wants 
I wasn't going too fast, was I? I don't know. I was going 25 miles an hour. Remember that. All right, Daddy. And the light was green, wasn't it? Yes, Daddy. It certainly was. <clears throat> Hello, officer. Uh, anything I can do for you? There may be one or two little things. May I see your driver's license, please? Of course. Carry it right here in my wallet. And I, uh, right here in the, uh, officer. I was in such a hurry this morning that I left my wallet on the dresser. But I can assure you that I've been driving in Springfield... Could I uh, see your registration certificate? Or would that happen to be at home on the piano? <laughs> Officer, I have to be in Plainfield as close to 9 o'clock as I can make it. And ever since I got up this Just morning... Just follow me, if you don't mind. But, Officer, if I don't get to Plain... Follow you? Where? We'll take a little trip down to the station house. And let's not try any tricks. Look, this is my daughter, and she'll tell you... We were going 25 miles an hour, and the light was green. That may be so, little lady. It may be so. But I just got a call from headquarters, and you're riding in a stolen car. Oh, no! again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. So until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Dragnet, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nero Wolf, followed by our Miss Brooks. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.